0: Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. I'm Harrison, and as of the last week, I'm an international globetrotter. Ooh. I'm Jason, and feel like that's
1: about how well it would go for me if I had a jetpack. <laughs> Not Warren, Andrew.
0: Um, Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Yes, we are. <laughs> we are watching Buffy episode... Uh, season 6, episode 19, Seeing Red. Uh, infamously, this is... Uh, other things happen, but this is the one where... Uh, Spike sexually assaults Buffy and Tara is killed by Warren. So, you know, obviously content warning uh, about for sexual assault. We're going to be discussing that. Um, Yeah.
1: Seeing Red was written by Stephen DeKnight and was directed by Michael Gershman and originally aired on May 7th, 2002, which I believe is fairly close to when Attack of the Clones came out. That sounds right.
0: I'd rather watch this.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a tough choice, but yeah. Jason! Harrison? long time I no see yeah I am do, do you want to tell the
0: lovelies yeah. uh, where you where you and John have been globe trotting to yeah we uh, were in Sweden for about a week um we uh, Jason and I attempted to get this episode recorded before we left and it just didn't happen yeah uh, and I'm not too upset about that <laughs> um, but we this is gonna be a rough one to talk yeah. about. Um, But no, we went to, uh, we went, we were in Stockholm. We, um, we, we went with John, uh, John's parents and we got to visit uh, some of his family who lives there, who I've never met before, but they were delightful. Um, I'm not going to go on like a full tangent of what we did while we were there. But um, if you do want to see some pictures, uh, I put them on my Instagram. It's Harrison Alexander Kaufman. Um, so, uh, but I did want to just put up one highlight of the things we did there. Uh, on our anniversary, we got to see the Stockholm production of Moulin Rouge, which we didn't even know was happening. We happened upon it the night before when we were out with John's cousin, just kind of taking in the sights. Um, and it was astounding. It was like, it was, um... John John got to see the show on Broadway um, several years ago. I think when it was still in previews before it even opened um, through a work thing, and he loved it. And shocking no one, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, Um, and it was especially in high school. Like it is a bit up your alley. It was a it was a constant watch for me. Um, uh, So it was really interesting. The 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 dialogue was all in Swedish. And the songs, uh, for the most part were all in English cause they're, you know, pop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one song that is sung in, um, uh, in was sung in Swedish. It's the, um, uh, it's the pitch song, which in the movie is the, um, spectacular, spectacular mm-hmm. song. It's a, they use different songs in the, in the stage version, it's the Habanero, La Rose, and a third one that I don't remember, but they rewrote the lyrics for it to, like, pitch the show that they're doing. So all of the, that song was in Swedish, but all the other ones were in English. So it was really interesting, because I was like, John's seen the show, and I've seen the movie, so I was, like, following the plot um, until Act 2, when they made some changes <laughs> from the movie, and I was like, I think I understand what's going on, but, like, at, at the end of the show, I had to be, like, Get some clarification from John, but um, it was oh my god! The lighting, the choreography, the cast, all of it. The costumes were just it was it was really a uh, really cool experience to get to do. Um, but yeah, uh, Stockholm is a beautiful place. I recommend it to anyone who's looking for a place to travel.
1: Kind of making me want to uh, rewatch Moulin Rouge.
0: I I literally <laughs> was like wanting to rewatch it when we got back. And the only reason I've held off is because I found out that John's mom has never seen it.
1: Oh, uh, you want to watch with her. So
0: we're going down there for Christmas. to uh, We're spending Christmas with them. So I was like, I'll bring my Blu-ray and we'll she, watch it. she and she, she will, like it. She will love it. One of my favorite things that I've ever done is uh, John's mom and I got really high and watched Across the Universe together. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking blast. <laughs> John and his dad were there, but John's mom and I were having a good time. <laughs> Um. So yeah, a toast. I, I'm gonna do my toast to Sweden. To Sweden. Thank you for being so welcoming. Um, the people there were so kind, and the food was so good. And the weather was not in our favor while we were there, but I'm not gonna blame Sweden for the weather.
1: I mean, it's like you're talking November and mm-hmm. fairly north. Yeah. So I, I mean, because I assume that they are much higher latitude than we are. Oh
0: yes. Uh, Sunset was about 4.30. Okay, then. Uh, Yeah, and it was very rainy while we were there. Um, And when it wasn't rainy, it was extremely overcast. It was actually quite jarring when we got back to the States. We. um, (laughs) Oh my god, the sun! (laughs) Legitimately, (laughs) though, we landed... So we flew out of Copenhagen um, at about... 3 o'clock their time, landed in Chicago, 6 p.m. Central Time. But for us, it was 1 a.m. And Sunset had, like, just happened. It was actually very strange. We were basically, Sunset was following us across Mm. the Atlantic. It was a very (laughs) bizarre feeling. Um, But by the time we actually landed it, it, like, caught up with us. And then we went to spend the night in a hotel in Chicago. And then we got up at, like, 5 a.m., uh, the next day to drive back and we stopped outside of Indianapolis once we got through Indianapolis we stopped at a Cracker Barrel to get some food and like by the time we left the Cracker Barrel sunrise was like finished and it was like full like sun and all like the four of us were like like you know like, fucking <laughs> like Lord of the Rings gone yeah. like, ah! like that's <laughs> how it felt we like hadn't seen like full sun in like a week <laughs> Uh, But no, it was a wonderful trip. So, um, also, we're drinking um, some Bell's Mm -hmm. Two-Hearted IPAs. Um, I uh, wanted to get some slightly nicer beer than we normally would buy, because Jason's going to have dinner with us after we record. And this was... Not that this isn't a nice beer. It's like, I like a bell's too hearted but like the selection at that Walmart that I had to go to to get that very specific cut of meat John wanted was like I was either going to be buying like shit or like something really nice <laughs> so I was like I was like I really just looking for like some Narragansett but not here apparently <laughs> um, all right well shall we uh dive into seeing red
1: yeah let's do it
0: yeah um So I will say, um, unfortunately, listeners, the two big things in this episode that it's known for are the sexual assault and the death of Tara, and our discussion of those two things will unfortunately not be isolated to this episode, Um, especially Tara's death. Uh, we're, we're going to have to continue to talk about them throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. The
1: ramifications are going to just be ridiculous in this season and, uh, next season as well. Yeah. So in, in in particular, in
0: one of Harrison's favorite episodes of season seven and the series, (sighs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, no, it actually, it's frustrating because that episode should be one of the best. It should be one of the best episodes. I'm actually interested when we get to that because
1: i I kind of liked it, okay. but um, we'll see what happens when we get there. I'm a much much different man now than I was. But...
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we start the episode with Willow and Tara in bed together after their reconciliation Lesbian the night before. Sex. They were like, okay, so they started the night before. Willow was on sitting on the bed uh, on the side closest to the door. Tara came in through the door because she's a human person and that's the only way she can <laughs> enter the room. Um, she's a witch. She can fly through the window. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but she didn't. She came through the door. She's not rude. She's... <laughs> <laughs> um, I do question who let her into the house, but at the same time, I'm like, they're just walking into this house willy-nilly all the time. So, You know, uh, I, bet,
1: I bet Tara held on to the spare key that she had. Oh, yeah.
0: So... That's where we ended the episode with them. Kissing next to the bed right by the door. <laughs> kissing. Kissing.
1: Harrison had his hands together when he said that. Kissing. Like, like rubbing my hands together a like a greedy little <laughs> child
0: about to eat cake. Um, so their clothes are spread out like around the room, like to the window and back. They were making their way through that bedroom throughout the night. And I, I am glad for it.
1: And Willow had no idea what time it was. Mm-hmm. So, you go, girl. I,
0: listen, I am not happy to lose Tara. I am devastated by this loss. But if we have to, I'm glad she got to go out having what sounds like multiple of the best orgasms of her life. Um, you know, small I mean, things I can hold well, on to. I mean, to. Willow has always made her complete. That's right. That's right um here though they are just kind of basking having some pillow talk afterglow the afterglow and uh willow is like uh willow's a little concerned she's not sure if buffy came home the night before and she's very suspicious i love I love
1: (laughs) i love when uh you said uh because, like, Tara's like, what are you thinking about? And Willis is Buffy. And always <laughs> like, wouldn't it be funny if Tara said, me too. <laughs> like, well,
0: they're having sex with each other. And they're buying <laughs> about their hot friend. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to Uh-oh. say. Uh-oh. No. I- <laughs> I'm just going to say, sometimes I have thought about hot friends while I've, like, been having sex with my partner. It's not weird. <laughs> Especially if you make a point to surround yourself with hot people, (laughs) as I do. I'm going to, like, chalk that up in my head as a mini
1: compliment to me. (laughs) And I don't want you to say anything otherwise that'll break that. I was about to
0: say, what would be worse for you? What would be more... If I confirmed that you were right, or if I said you were wrong. What would make you more hurt? The, or only, thing more?
1: That I'm, the only thing that I'm going with in my head right now uh-huh. is that you think I'm hot. All right. I'm one of the hot people that you surround
0: yourself with. I love this for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Willow is, she's like, she can't really get it out of her head. She's like, I think though... There might be something based on what I saw last night going on between Buffy and Spike and Tara. Are like, we to assume <laughs> that Ben is subletting from Glory? <laughs> I just like I love how Tara's just like it's really good because there's a the, we're at a close up of Willow and you can, when she says that you can hear Tara just take a that delivery deep breath in <laughs> and before the. They're sleeping together. And Willow's like, oh no, I don't think so. And she's like, oh no, she told me (laughs) they are. (laughs) If Willow is the last one to know. She is. She's very upset uh, that she's the last one to know. And I will say, Willow and Xander both, um, I mean, Xander is much worse, but he does at least apologize at the end of the episode and own up to his actions. But Xander and Willow both really do make this all about them and their feelings. And, you know, it's kind of interesting
1: that, like, you know, the last two people to find out are arguably the two closest characters Mm -hmm. to Buffy and also have the worst
0: reactions. Yep. And the most unhelpful. And have to be explicitly told. Yeah. Tara and Dawn both just figure it out. Um, And that's... It's not shocking to me for either of those characters, actually. Um, Tara is very empathetic. And, I mean, she's the one who figured out that Buffy and Faith switched. And I would say Dawn is not the most emotionally intelligent, except for when it comes to Buffy. Yep. Um, uh, But you're right, yeah. Willow doesn't... Willow at least has her less than great reaction about this away from Buffy and in the safety of like a room with her partner which I think is fair I've had I've had unfair reactions to news that I've learned from people I I'll be like as an example I had some pretty when my brother got married when he eloped earlier this year I had some like very strong feelings about that Um, not him getting married specifically but like not actually getting to be there for it. But I didn't make those feelings his problem. Yeah. Like, you know, I kept them to myself and expressed them to John here in the privacy of our home and, I guess, now <laughs> this podcast. Um, well, it, it seems like you've come to oh, yeah. of it overall. Oh, yeah, so. and And it was, like, it was a brief burst of feelings that I allowed myself to have and to get out without making them my brother's problem. Which it does feel like Willow does. Uh, Xander does not. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm just going to go out and say, not a great episode for the men of this
1: series. Uh... <laughs> um, I know
0: that's like the understatement of the century, yeah. but... I do really appreciate here that Tara basically tells Willow that mm, the reason you didn't get told is kind of the this way you reacted yeah, right the space that you have right now. Um, it, it reminded me of the recurring joke on Thirty Rock that Liz would be referred to as having a judgmental badger face. And was that when I, I, like Jenna would tell her about our shows and everything? Um, that's one of the times. Yeah. It's it's referred to a couple times, but uh, I do remember one time Jenna says it where she's like, "You would make I didn't tell you because you'd make you that judgmental badger face." And Liz goes like, and, <laughs> and Jenna <laughs> goes, "There, that one right there. It's so funny. I was just talking about it. There it is." <laughs> um, but. Um, so this does kind of reality check from Tara does seem to kind of pull Willow together. Uh, she goes to check and see if Buffy has returned. Uh, she has not. And, uh, but she does run into Dawn in the hallway. Um, this is where Dawn reveals that she just figured it out, the Spike and Buffy thing, and... Uh, Willow's like, oh yeah, me too. He, I knew it all along. <laughs> she tries. She totally tries to dunk on Dawn. She's like, I knew the whole time. I knew the whole time. Uh, but I'm just really good at keeping secrets. Dawn, Willow, whatever your name is. Also, um, even though
1: she kinda only has two scenes, uh, uh three. She's got three scenes. Uh, I honestly think Michelle Trachtenberg is my MVP for this episode. Um yeah. because all of her scenes are great and she's got such a range because yeah. in this like we just see the un like the unfettered joy mm-hmm. of seeing Willow and Tara together. And honestly, it's how I felt too, even though I knew it was coming at the end <laughs> of this episode. And I yeah, just also I think that's the happiest we've ever seen Dawn in this entire right. show.
0: <laughs> I mean. It's not a high bar for her to clear it's been pretty much non-stop trauma for her since she first appeared but yeah just like she was so happy yeah she is ecstatic to see uh Tara come out of the bedroom, and Tara's like wearing a sheet. Uh, Tara's like, oh, I guess I should go put some clothes on. And Don is like, don't you fucking dare! I'm, I'm going <laughs> to go downstairs, play some
1: loud music, so that you guys can do whatever you want. Which I mean, apparently she was able to sleep through through whatever they did last night while being on the same
0: floor. So Don strikes me as a heavy sleeper. Yeah. Like, you know, Dawn, I, yeah. Dawn strikes me as, like, heavy sleeper. She's probably got a little sleep apnea. She, like, she is a mouth breather, <laughs> snores. I, I have to admit, I am... That's describing... why she always yells, um, get out, get out, get out. Because she doesn't want people to hear her snoring. <laughs> what a generous read of that. <laughs> um, uh, meanwhile, Buffy has, uh, broken into the trio's lair uh, which probably smells terrible terrible Those, you know they haven't showered um, the place is deserted yeah, and i think i think
1: we specifically said that warren gives off the vibes of just somebody who has the worst bo and does as minimal as he can to
0: like he feels like the type it. who like brags that he doesn't wear deodorant yes. you know It's like that's the smell of man, baby. I can hear him say it, too. I hate it.
1: And you know, I I said this while we were watching the episode, I want to say now. I'm sure Adam Bush is a is a nice person. I mean, believe it or not, he dated Amber Benson for quite a while. We
0: can finally talk about how weird that is. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, but not weird. Like, like, and, and this is ironic. And again, this is like a tribute to his his acting and Mm -hmm. also the casting of the the casting apartment of Buffy. He plays just a horrible,
0: horrible human being, specifically a horrible, horrible man. Extremely well. Mm -hmm. They've done such a good job with this character too, of like his introduction where he's not great, but he's just a little gross and sleazy, but like, that Every subsequent appearance just gets worse yeah. and worse. And you just see how black of a pit he has instead of a heart. Um which I do think is I, I actually find him a very interest as a character, a very interesting contrast, especially in this episode, to Spike, um, who doesn't have a soul. Um and, you know, we've seen him despite what he did in this episode which is horrible and evil um we have seen him maybe fight against those instincts it's a little difficult to tell i think he has a difficult time telling if he's actually fighting against those darker impulses i mean that's kind of like the
1: whole his whole like monologue at the end is very much like am i like is am i feeling love Am I, uh, you know, am I turning good or is it this chip in my head? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Whereas
0: uh, Warren, who does have a soul, just is not only going into darker and darker, but is embracing it, like seems to revel in it. Um, and when we see the, the episode doesn't really, uh, doesn't really like highlight it, but it seems like when he goes to the bronze that he's specifically targeting this one guy. Um, you know, it seems like the girl he's hitting on is random at first until her, her boyfriend enters the picture. The same way he tried to act like him hitting on Katrina was well, random. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and, like, the thing is that the minute that he, like, you saw him looking at that girl and her boyfriend, you knew exactly why he was doing what he was uh-huh. doing. It's like, he's not trying to get that girl. He's trying to pick a fight with that guy uh-huh. um, to show that he can get that girl. Uh-huh. Which is... your pathetic. Or
0: any of the girls. Yeah. Um, so, Buffy is uh, gathering evidence throughout the lair before she finds a uh, whiteboard that says, too late, which Buffy stooply is like, well, that can't be good. <laughs> and she is... Immediately assaulted by some giant buzzsaws. Um, I know we've been doing this like sort of lazy Bond ripoff this whole season, and I, I and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean like the trio are lazily doing yeah. Bond, but I love this. It's just like it's so, so I, over the top. James
1: Bond isn't the first thing that I thought of. I thought okay, of what? specifically um, the. The trial in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh yeah, those blades. That's that. That's what that visual gave me. Uh,
0: especially the little like flip she does yes. through. You're right. Actually, that's probably what that. I mean, uh... it's it's some nerdy shit. <laughs> <It's dead. laughs> um, I am very disappointed, though, to announce to our listeners that the very cute red leather jacket she was wearing. When she went into the basement, did not come away unscathed from these buzz buzzsaws, and
1: that is what pisses her off the most. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but
0: you can tell that that's the straw She's that broke the camel's back. Um, and this leads us into our credits. Should we? I mean, I know we should talk about why they're different, but uh, Jason, would you like to lead us in a discussion? I don't know why I'm saying lead us in a discussion. Like we're gonna have a prayer circle, <laughs> like. Tell us, why are these credits special?
1: Well, because they are the only time in the entire series, I guess which is a mild spoiler for the rest of the series, that um, Amber Benson, after being a guest star since season four, Mm -hmm. appears in the opening credits. Yeah, And I specifically remember watching this, not knowing what was going to happen the first time I saw it, thinking like, um, uh, thinking like, Thank fucking God, finally, she's in the credits. I oh, mean, girl no. deserves it. And then at the end, like, that's, so yeah, that is not like, which I think
0: is what they were going for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they got me. So I actually, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was like, I want to hear that perspective from someone because I didn't have that. I, that was one of the things going into the show that I knew um, that was something that I ha- had been spoiled for me was Tara's death. And the fact that she gets to be in the credits like for the episode where it happens so I didn't know when it was going to happen until I was watching the episode and I saw her in the credits and I went well fuck <laughs> um, but uh, no this is something Whedon wanted to do as far back as the very first episode of the show um, he wanted to include Eric Balfour who played Jesse oh, okay in the opening credits so that it would be Um, more shocking to the audience when his character dies, but um, budget would not allow for that. Um, I think specifically just they didn't have the budget to create two sets of credits. Um, And this is meaner than that. Yeah. This is this, this is yeah, that would have been shocking in a like a uh, oh my gosh I can't believe well, they it's killed like, off
1: this random guy. You know, it's like guy. We've, you know um, we we talked about on, on Lost before. Uh-huh. The original plan was to kill off uh, Jack, Matthew Fox's character, hmm. um, played by
0: Michael Keaton in in that iteration of it. Yeah, and
1: uh, but instead, you know, the character Jack ends up becoming one of the main leaders of
0: yeah. the uh, of like the survivors of the plane crash. Yeah. I will say I'm glad they went with how they went. One, because even though Jack pisses me off most of the time, I actually think he has one of the most incredible character arcs. Uh, Jack is one of the better... um, We're going to have to save this for our lost (laughs) podcast.
1: But yeah, I think that um, there are lots of TV shows where your supporting cast is so good that your protagonist can look like not as great in comparison. Uh
0: Boring protagonist syndrome. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah and the uh and you know the ensemble of lost is fantastic and well i wouldn't necessarily say jack is my favorite character i'd say that he is one of the better
0: protagonists mm-hmm. with
1: a strong ensemble
0: i agree i agree um but i i do think they made the right call I, that that decision to because the idea was so for listeners who don't know is that they would hire a big name actor, and Michael Keaton was the name. I don't know if he was ever officially attached or if it was just like, Michael Keaton's who we want. Um, he will play Jack. He's in all the advertisements. You know, we 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 market this as Michael Keaton's new show, and then he dies in the first episode. Um, he would have died where the pilot dies in the the actual pilot, in the actual first episode, mm-hmm. and then Kate. Who at the time was conceived as like a middle-aged businesswoman whose husband died on the flight, she would step in to become the protagonist. And they, the studio, basically nixed it and said that audiences would feel betrayed and would stop watching. And in 2004, I think they were right. I think that is. Exa- I think Lost would have died on the vine if they had done that because audiences would have aside. I could
1: easily see people looking at it as like oh hey here's this new Michael Keaton Mm -hmm. show Um, but they were able to get away with it I I say they were able to get away with it in Game of Thrones uh, but in all fairness you know the character that uh, I guess mild spoilers for season one of Game (laughs) of Thrones um, the character the major character of Game of Thrones who's like depicted as the main character in the first season does die, but that's also in the book. Yeah. Like, that's that's a big thing in the first book. It's like,
0: oh, you think that this is going to be your main character, mm-hmm. and then... I think it helps that, yes, it, that's how the book goes. It's also the end of the season, yeah. not the beginning, and you had time to grow to love the other characters, or hate the other characters. Mm-hmm. And also... I think the fact that they had lost come before and kind of start the tr- start the trend, not really, but like really solidify that anyone can die, even your protagonists, helped. I think if weirdly if Lost came later, but TV still had the influence that Lost had. Lost could have gotten away with killing Michael Keaton in the first episode. That weird, like... Also,
1: um, yeah. we've obviously, like, gone very much off the yeah. rails. But <laughs> one last thing, like, where this is done to humorous effect and not just shock value is um, the movie The Other Guys, which, oh, yeah. uh, which opens up with a spectacular action sequence involving two of, arguably, two of the biggest action movie stars of all time, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have this huge action sequence where they're like chasing this guy through, um, like through through uh, I think it's through Los Angeles. It's been a while since I've actually seen the movie, but I think uh, that's right. Yeah, and they're on top of a building and they're like going to jump down onto the, uh, like onto like what they think is like the back of a truck or something. And they're like, oh yeah, we can make it. Like, you ready, partner? Yeah. And they jump and they die, and then the entire point of the movie is that Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, much less likely action movie stars, are the ones that take over. But it is, it's a fantastic moment. And unfortunately, I didn't see it in theaters. Hmm. But I like. I love hearing people's stories about how people
0: just we're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, back to the Summers house. Mm-hmm. Uh Buffy and Don are in the living room. Uh Willow and Tara come down and they are uh they they're they're all smooches and happiness and Don just can't get enough of it. Don's like, <laughs> At One point, Willow's like, "Okay, I'm sorry, we'll stop." And Dawn's like, "You better not." <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but Her every relationship needs a hype man, and
0: Dawn is <laughs> Dawn the hype man for for Willow and Tara. Um, Buffy explains that she, you know, got the evidence from the uh, from the 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 trio's lair. Uh, great sight gag when Tara picks up this big book and just. <laughs> it, it, it is pieces. also a victim of the buzzsaw. <laughs> yeah. um, but unfortunately, Buffy says that it's probably just going to be the four of them. Uh, Spike is currently out of the picture. Uh, she did not end things positively with Xander the night before, and she suspects that Anya has no interest in helping them at the moment either. Um which we do get a cut to uh what appears at first to be Anya crying at a bar, uh but is actually a different blonde woman <laughs> that Anya is talking to at a bar. Um this young woman was cheated on by her boyfriend who cheated on her with her fat ugly sister. <laughs> yeah. Basically nobody comes out great in yeah. this scenario. Um unfortunately Anya is too kind of wrapped up in her own stuff to notice that this this woman is trying to make her... a wish. She she says
1: multiple times I wish, but yeah. is cut off by Anya, who is going on her own tirade. And they
0: sounded like they would have been good ones. Like I know at one point she's like, I wish his flesh would no matter how that sentence ends, yeah. like it would have given Anya a lot to work with. But <laughs> uh we see that she is um she's still really processing her own grief uh and that is coming across in the form of anger um and this is really the only time we see anya in the episode we do get a brief shot of her in the magic box later during sort of cleaning sort of thing. <laughs> during, it's during a sadness montage for all the characters <laughs> subtitle for season six a sadness <laughs> montage for all the characters <laughs> Um, like it's fucked up that Dawn is having the best time of all the characters this season <laughs> um, it is kind of important to point out that uh,
1: Dawn does specifically ask like is Spike not going to be around mm-hmm. anymore yeah and uh, you know she shows some concern about that
0: which makes sense because she and Spike have formed a bond
1: yeah um, which we saw in the season premiere mm-hmm. and
0: uh, and comes up quite a bit during Xander and Buffy's argument yep Um, which I actually, I'm a little, I'm a little annoyed at both Xander and Buffy during that argument. I'm like, you both left her with Spike. Stop using her as a pawn in your argument with each other. But Xander does it first, so. (laughs) Buffy wins. Um... So, this is where we get uh, this really great scene. Dawn visits Spike's crypt. Yeah. and here's On where we her get... way to Janice's. Sure, Dawn. Here's where we get a... Um,
1: again, we go from the extremely ecstatic Dawn happy to see uh, Willow and Tara back together. Like, the happiest we've seen her. And now she's like, you know... I mean, Buffy says she's not going to talk to Spike anymore. But Dawn kind of like she needs a little bit of closure. Mm -hmm. And so she tells Spike all the stuff that, you know,
0: Spike needs to hear. Yeah. He's basically like, she's like, um, she's like, I know what you did with Anya. Rude. (laughs) Uh, and she's like, (laughs) yeah, if you wanted to hurt her, I mean, if you wanted to hurt Buffy, congrats, you did it. You did it. Um, yeah. And she's, yeah, she tells him, she's like, Fuck you for hurting my sister. You you claim to love her, and she's like, no one hurts my sister except me, um, and, and that's
1: only through sacrificial death.
0: I I just I I just I, I just cannot get on board with Don hate. Like I love her relation. Like even if everything else about her sucked, but this her and Buffy's relationship remained intact. It's, it's one of my favorite things about Dawn as a character. And I do think that um, the relationship that Buffy has with Dawn, I, I do think giving do- Buffy a sister was a great thing for Buffy's character. Um, it gives her a new it allows, way to interact yeah. with the
1: character. It allows for a personal tie that's isn't that's closer than a friend. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even closer, but different than a friend. And um, you know, doesn't have to be expressed through romantic relationships. Yeah,
0: and I think I've seen—I um, don't remember if it was Whedon or maybe it was Marty Knox and someone discussing, or it might have been Sarah Michelle Geller, but someone discussing that was, in some ways, part of the reason they introduced Dawn was to give Buffy that sort of relationship that could be like her love story that wasn't, um, a, wasn't a romance. Like Frozen, like yeah. <laughs> I will. I was gonna say. Um, uh, we watched on my birthday. We watched the first episode of season two of Fleabag. Yeah. Um, and one of the first, you know, that if you've not seen it, it opens with the title character in a bathroom, like wiping up like a bloody nose. Then she looks at the the camera and she goes, "This is a love story." And over the course of that season, a good part of the story is about her relationship with the sexy priest. Um, but the other major story of that season is her repairing her relationship with her sister. And in my opinion, the love story of Fleabag is between the two sisters. Like, I love I love the romance between her and the priest. It's beautifully tragic um, in a very uplifting sort of way, but there's a scene... I promise I'm not going to get too like off track but in the series finale where her sister's just left her shitty alcoholic abusive husband and she's got this like love interest who's about to leave the country for like a business thing and her sister's like she's like Fleabag's like go do the run through the airport thing it's so romantic and Claire uh, it's Fleabag's sister's she just goes on this diatribe about like no, it's not romantic. It's crazy. I'd have to buy a boarding pass. I'd have to know where his terminal was. Imagine that. I'm, he's just in the st- <laughs> store buying a pair of clippers, and I show up. And imagine how crazy that would be. And then she follows it up with a line that I just think is a beautiful, simple expression of pure love. Where she just goes, she just says, besides, the only person I'd run through an airport for is you. Aww. and I remember the first time watching that episode because her rant about how it's crazy to do that is funny mm-hmm. and then it just hit me so hard I was like that is so simple but beautiful um, and I feel like we get to see a lot of that with Buffy and Dawn like here where she goes to Spike on her own to dress him down for hurting Buffy's feelings um, I love it me too let's talk about the trio these guys suck (laughs) (laughs) um they are in a cave where they uh, encounter a nesla demon who jason and i both agreed looked a bit like a zygon from doctor who Mm -hmm. i think some of the costume might have also been part of skip's costume uh from uh from angel not the whole thing but there were some of it that i was like he had like some spikes on his back that make me wonder if maybe like the torso was. I mean, I could, costume easily, piece. I could
1: easily see them like you know, reutilizing costumes between shows. Oh, yeah. Um, they
0: uh, they kill this demon and skin it, um, and force Jonathan to wear the skin so he can get through this barrier that um can only be passed through by this specific species of demon uh feels like a very terminator loophole (laughs) like um but they are
1: what uh, harrison is referring to by the way is that (laughs) um in the in the movie in the movie franchise terminator um terminators themselves are cybernetic organisms that are that have a. that the later models have a uh, human skin grafted over them. And uh, it's, it's, as part of the rules of the franchise, if you time travel, only organic things can go through. Um, so the, uh, the plot of the first Terminator movie is that they want to send a Terminator, that the machines want to send a Terminator to kill the mother of the eventual leader of the Resistance, and in order to do that, they need to have their cybernetic
0: organism covered in the flesh that makes it look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I love that that's the only reason that rule exists. Is like, okay, they send a robot back in time to kill Sarah Connor, but why does the robot look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Um, because only organic matter can pass through the time travel thing. Great! And then they hey, snorted a line and made Terminator. Man, I don't care... Terminator
1: okay. is one of my favorite movies of all time. Fucking
0: great! None of what I just said was criticism, <laughs> including the that <laughs> they snorted a line. Um, I mean, it was Hollywood in the eighties. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan does successfully pass through this portal, although um, Warren basically says once he's out of earshot that he didn't know that that was going to work, and the only reason uh, they brought Jonathan along was. In case it killed him. And,
1: and at this point, Andrew is just so convinced that he and Warren are going to live happily happily ever after together in a gay fantasy. Poor, deluded little homo. Also, the fact that uh, Dawn still doesn't know his name. <laughs> <Hilarious>. <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, you know, we saw you through... She's talking to Spike, like, we saw you through the cameras that... Uh, you know, Warren, Jonathan, that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but uh, yeah, at this point, it's become clear that Warren and by extension, Andrew feel that Jonathan is disposable um, and actively plan on ditching him uh, later um, if this if he survived this portal thing, which he does. And he does return with the, uh, orbs of Neslikon, which, uh, when Warren takes them, uh, grant him strength and invulnerability, which, uh, is not great for our heroes. Uh. And,
1: you know, maybe there's a little bit of a, the fact that it's two orbs. orbs.
0: Yeah. They didn't go full phallic with the symbolism, but, uh... <laughs> it's a yeah. little on the nose. It's a little, little on the nose. A little on the penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little just below. little on the scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> on the screw. Um...
1: Uh, he does proceed to test out these powers against yes. a Nesla demon that's coming down, like, the cave.
0: Just minding oh, his own business. Yeah.
1: And, uh, he's able to just kind of, like, immediately dispatch of it.
0: Yeah. Um... So, you know, this is immediately concerning. The trio has not been a physical threat to Buffy um, for most of the season, outside of a couple flukes, but um, he does seem to be, uh, you know, based on the fight we see later, his strength with these orbs does seem on par with Buffy's. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe a little less. Buffy is injured at the time, so she's not quite at her full capacity, but... um, Buffy goes to Xander's apartment where he treats her like shit. Yep.
1: Um, <laughs> that being said, um, Xander, it, I think it's clear that Xander
0: is drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, day drinking, no less. Uh, apartment's, I, a, apartments in I a bit of a think mess. I don't think he's day drinking. I mean, he is, but I think he's still drinking. Yeah. I think he's been drinking all night long and into the morning.
1: Which, I mean, he. I don't know what that says about his character, that he looks more he looks worse off after um both the Anya and Spike um experience and finding out about Buffy and Spike than he does after the
0: wedding, which he which he ended. So Uh I think it I think it's less about their I don't think they're separate events for him. He I think it's all a culmination mm-hmm. of everything that's happened since the wedding and all his feelings before the wedding. Because um, he says at the be- at the end of the episode when he and Buffy are reconciling that just the last several weeks he's just felt like a continuous piece of shit. Um, and you know, I don't want to give him I don't want to, you know, forgive too much of his behavior here because he says some pretty nasty things to Buffy yep um, that are not warranted. But you know, hurt people hurt people, and he has been on a downward spiral. And all the characters have; they have not been there to support one another. You know, I, I made the joke in that these seasons would be so much shorter if they would just talk to one another. But like, legitimately, they are—they're not causing each other's pain. But they—they—if they would just come together, have honest conversations about how they're feeling. And what they're going through. I don't think we would see them. Lo- snapping at each other the way they are. And I, I will say. I feel like this is. We're, this is very similar to what we saw in season four. But I feel much more earned. Yeah. Than what we saw in season four. And in all fairness. I mean these characters are still
1: like you know. In their early 20s. Yeah. Which <laughs> I think is probably. The peak age for this to happen. Mm-hmm because you know you're starting to you're starting to come to you're starting to encounter the harsh realities of the world Mm -hmm. away from childhood and adolescence and you know you're encountering them for the first time but you also have this sort of arrogance Mm -hmm. that oh i can deal with this on my own yeah
0: and uh some of us carry that into our 30s. <laughs> <laughs> and they're but... also trying to do this. Well, they yeah, they're trying to do this. They've Buffy's lost her safety net, which is her mom. Um Willow and Xander never really had safety nets based on what we've seen of their home life. Um and they you know, they have become each other's safety net and you know, when everyone's off on their own dealing with their problems poorly,
1: also maybe it's a tribute to the fact that uh, they the trio has never been viewed as a huge threat because if there was say a mayor or glory level threat that would have brought them together and they wouldn't have had these issues to deal with but they haven't had that giant yeah. threat looming
0: alternatively they would have failed to overcome a threat like that because they can't get their shit together and work together. Um, I, I think there's a more cynical potential there. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of more thinking in the lines of how season four ended. Yeah. And I do think that's how this show is. Mm-hmm. I do. I think that's... I think the show delivers... We can defeat it with the power <laughs> of us being together. Um, I do think that the the decision to give them a... underwhelming villain was deliberate so that, yeah, so that we could tell these more personal wounded stories. Yeah, season six, the
1: personal stories
0: take the forefront of the season. And then, you know, it makes, it does make it all the more shocking when the, this villain that they kind of treated, has been treated as a joke you know... Causes arguably the most damage
1: that any villain has. Yeah,
0: um... So, um... We... This is where, uh, after Xander storms out of his apartment during this argument, this is where we get our sadness montage. Um, Xander walks by the magic box where he sees Anya working and, uh, you know, kind of half-heartedly cleaning. Um, And he ends up at the bronze. Um, He has a brief conversation with a woman who tries to flirt with him. I do appreciate that he doesn't try to flirt back or he just they have a weird fish metaphor thing that he takes in a weird direction and she's yeah. like what the fuck <laughs> but I appreciate that he's straightforward with her and he's like I just want to be alone you know that to me it's a small moment but it actually does feel like a bit of a turning point for Xander in the episode where he's, he's actually starting to sit with himself and feel his yeah, aliens. it's an important step to where he gets at the end of the episode
1: yeah. before um, before the shots get fired yeah uh
0: unfortunately though the trio does come to the bronze uh where warren tries to hit on a girl whose boyfriend he went to uh uh Sunnydale high with uh who used to pick on him and Maybe I'll get canceled for repeating the joke I made during the episode while we were watching it, but I'm glad this guy bullied Warren. He deserved it. Yes, this... I understand that often bullying is what leads to people doing these things, but also, Warren made his choices, and no one like, else is responsible. Sorry, this sounds like... Um, have you seen This is 40? No, I've not. Oh, I've seen not, but I haven't seen This, this is 40. God, there's,
1: like there's just a moment where, uh, you know... Um, Oh, uh, Leslie, Leslie Mann. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, uh, she like makes fun of this kid who like had made fun of her daughter and, uh, you know, the mom gets really upset. Mom's played by Melissa McCarthy. And so they're like, so they're in this, they're in like the principal's office and, you know, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are both like gaslighting this whole thing and it just gets Melissa McCarthy more pissed but at the principal and and she just keeps going off and eventually says like I'm glad your husband died <laughs> and... I have seen that clip okay I've seen that clip. it
0: like pops <laughs> on, up on like Instagram reels I never realized that was in the movie because the ver- the one I've seen looks like it's a really long take it looks like it's just Melissa McCarthy improvising because Paul Red and Leslie Mann break several times yeah. during it. Um, so I just assumed that was an outtake, but no, it's... I think
1: that's actually in the movie. I mean, <laughs> you may have seen an outtake, yeah, but that's hilarious. no the, the Melissa McCarthy just going off, and that's what that made me
0: think of. Oh my like, god! Oh, I'm glad he got. I'm glad your husband died. Uh. <laughs> it's... Melissa McCarthy is so good when Hollywood doesn't try to shove her into the funny fat lady box. Yeah. Like, yes. Agreed. She is funny. And yes, she is a fat woman. Like, I'm not saying that as a pejorative. That's just the fact about her. But they tried to she obviously had that role in Bridesmaids which she's brilliant in but then they tried to keep recreating that and it's like yes. no, stop doing that. Like, That was a great performance. Let her do other things. Have you seen Can You Ever Forgive Me? No, but I've been wanting to. Oh, it's stunning. Her and Richard Grant. Yeah, I've
1: heard that it's like, it's one of those great movies, kind of like Uncut Gems, where you take... Not seen Uncut Gems. Where you take like a tradition, like an actor that's not only known for comedy, but it's known for like what many people consider like low comedy, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. way that Adam Sandler is. And probably the way the Melissa McCarthy is as well, uh, but it puts them in a serious role. But like it, like they can do it, and it's like within their grasp to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Uncut Gems is fantastic. I do want to watch it. I like guess it might be my favorite Adam Sandler performance. And this is coming from a guy who fucking loves Happy Gilmore like so much. <laughs> um. Man,
0: we were we talking about a lot of movies and TV shows. Uh, it's almost like we haven't seen each other in, like, three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we usually see each other at least once a week. Um, I missed you. I missed you, too. You know, I'm get a little sappy. You know who I really missed while I was on our trip? Well, it's apparently not going to be me, because... It's my mom. No. That's... I like literally, at one point, we were, like, having dinner... And I like Just I don't know I got like really homesick And like had to step away To call my mom And she, she was like Hey is everything okay And I was like Yeah I just kind of missed you <laughs> No man Like I I gotta say that uh You know
1: When my family went For uh, two weeks To, Euro- to mm-hmm. Europe um, Back in 2018 I like I honestly can't imagine Like going on that trip Without them Yeah Like And you know When we were taking The train to Liverpool like, Or taking the train Back from Liverpool To London I like you know told my mom uh told everybody um that uh you know uh, because we were talking about like what a great day we had and I said like you know I'm really glad we got to like go on this trip together because like you know obviously like you know you guys are I was referring to my brother and I like you guys are our parents but I mean it's also like you know it's I guess we're really lucky that our parents also get to be our friends, too. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I'm the sappy one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Warren fights this guy, uh, throws him across the bar, throws several other people across the bar. Um, I can just imagine the owner of the bronze is like somewhere in the background, just like, God damn it. And he's like getting on the phone with his insurance adjuster. Like, (laughs) It's oh my again. gosh, that premiums must be <laughs> ridiculous. Um, uh, Xander tries to uh, intervene. Oh, Warren does a super gross thing where he keeps calling himself daddy. Pretty much to... everything that Warren says from this point out
1: is gross Ugh. because yeah, hes he refers to himself as daddy to um, to like the girl sitting at the bar. And then, during his fight with Buffy, he says, like, pretty much every misogynistic Mm -hmm. thing you can
0: think of, short of the C-word. Yeah. Um, Yeah. To the episode's credit, I'm glad that every single woman in this episode looks just absolutely disgusted by Warren. Yeah. uh, But Xander tries to get involved and uh, just gets also thrown aside. He feels like the first... That's the first time we've actually seen honestly anybody
1: besides buffy interact with the trio because Ooh. in this season willow, because they
0: willow did in gone but they were all invisible right they were invisible um but yeah i think you're right i think because
1: i mean you know that they've never wanted to do direct confrontations right. they've always tried to keep themselves at an arm's distance yeah that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it just seemed like so weird for like for to see Warren and Xander like have a confrontation and fortunately Xander gets like, you know, five right across the face. Oh
0: gosh. Um uh Warren is uh just to kind of really show how far he's come, he is uh perfectly willing to just murder xander in cold blood and i, I do want to say I, I i'm aware he already has murdered katrina but that was sort of an accident um here he is willing to do he is willing to just straight up kill him mm-hmm. in a room full of people uh, watching well,
1: he's invincible down. now yeah. he's
0: got balls of steel yeah He's got Um, orbs. (laughs) Luckily, Jonathan is able to save Xander by reminding uh, Warren that they need to leave right now if they want to get to their job in time that they have for that night. Um, So, good job, Jonathan. I'm still mad at you for all this, but you're making better choices. Well, that's kind
1: of like Jonathan's arc from this point on.
0: Um. I I love this. Uh, Later at home in bed, Willow reviews some files on her laptop but is quickly distracted by Tara. I mean, I'd be too. Um, But um, they do... I I
1: do love how they say that they're going to do research, but they obviously had to have more sex Mm -hmm. before the research. Or... Sex during the research? Ooh,
0: <laughs> actually, no, that's what they were doing. There's, there's two things that Willow really loves: research and sex with Tara. You know, she's like, read that to me, baby. <laughs> that very visual joke was so great for our podcast. <laughs> unzip that file I <laughs> <laughs> okay, should nice. leave I think you should leave <laughs> um, but they do um, they do have some uh, some files that they uh, they want to compare to some city records which unfortunately does mean they have to get out of the house which means they have to get out of the bed bummer yeah um uh, I don't actually know where this happened because the Buffy wiki has skipped it, but um, it is very important. There is a scene earlier where Buffy is on patrol fighting a vampire. vampire. Um, She she has a line where she's like, oh, you're going to hit this hard when you're dust in the wind. Blowing in the wind. Blowing in the wind. (laughs) Right before she stakes the vampire. Get your song reference right. Sorry. Um, Right before she stakes the vamp. But unfortunately, the vamp does manage to get a good kick in. Right before Right as he's turning to dust Right as he's turning to dust uh, This unfortunately um, Kicks her into a headstone Where she hits very hard On her lower back um, It's actually interesting because I listened to
1: Blowing in the Wind Earlier today Oh really? Yeah Who's that by? Uh, Bob Dylan Okay um, It's a song that he uh, It's a, it's one of those songs That like was very early in his career He's very well known for it oh. And, um, he's also, uh, he also doesn't play it anymore. I can't remember why. Uh-oh. Um, like at live shows, same with Hurricane. Uh, however, you may recognize Blowing in the Wind if you have seen the movie Forrest Scump And that is the song that Jenny is playing when she is wearing just a guitar. Okay. I have seen it, but it, not since high school. Okay. Also, people can dunk on that movie as much as they want now, but I love that movie still. Alright.
0: Um, Cheers. Baby. I'm out of beer. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, so, the reason I mention this, uh, it is important that Buffy has injured her back during this scene. Um, we are... Um, I'm just gonna get through the scene real yeah, quick. discuss what happens in the scene. And then we'll have a, a larger discussion around it. Um... Spike shows up uninvited. He tries... Uh, she's in the bathroom try pouring... Uh, running herself a bath um, to ache, so, soak her aching back. Um, Spike shows up, tries to apologize for, for what happened with Anya. And, uh, you know, he tells her he cares about her. He was just trying to stop the pain. Uh, she he tries to be he's like, you know, you love me. You know i know you love me she says no i don't i have feelings for you but i don't love you and uh she tells him that i don't love you because i can't trust you which he brushes off and this is where he assaults her he tries to force himself on her it starts off um relatively mild you know he just kind of grabs her arm um Quite frankly, it starts off the way a lot of their interactions have been. But she keeps fighting back, and he won't stop um, until he's literally got her on the ground um, trying to remove her robe. She is crying. She is tongue- she's hurt. Um, and then luckily, though, she is able to get a kick in, throw him across the room, uh, and she has this line that um, is seared in my brain as one of Sarah Michelle Geller's uh, best line readings of the show where she says, "Ask me again why I could never love you. It's a really powerful line for her. Um, he tries to apologize, but she she's not having it. and she makes him leave. All right. Yeah. This is tough. This is really tough. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, it it should be mentioned that the popular opinion now is that this was not a great scene to do. Mm-hmm. James Marsters has said frequently how much he hated doing it, mm-hmm. and um, I read an article. About the recent uh, Slayer audio drama Mm -hmm. that came out lately, and one of the things it was talking about, like trying to reclaim, uh, reclaim Buffy for the fandom, because obviously um, throughout the show's run and definitely in the last couple of years, uh, Joss Whedon had like a lot of his um, unacceptable behaviors have been. Uh, put in the spotlight and it left this
0: um stain Mm -hmm. on buffy and which we had to discuss back when we were doing i think it was season four when all that was coming out we had it we had to have a you know we had a large discussion about that and our feelings about doing this podcast And, and, and i read
1: an article about how um amber benson who uh you know was a huge creator of that and also the cast as well were all about um, they wanted to give Buffy back to the fans. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, one of the returning actors is James Marsters' as Spike. And I- I'm also saying this, by the way, not having actually listened to the audio drama yet. Right. It's and neither going have to. Just had um, another time. Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. Uh, but um, one thing that this article does address is how is how to address Spike. And this episode, this scene, is specifically in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, as... Uh, I feel like it's it's very much a sign of the changing times of what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. That, um, you know, even as recent as my first watch-through of Buffy and Angel, there are still some people that, uh, you know... Thought that Buffy and Spike were in game, that uh, oh no, they belong together, and especially like what happens to Spike at the end of this season. Yeah, um, not gonna say what happens. We're <laughs> gonna get there. Just a few weeks. <laughs> uh, but uh, and yeah, but I and you know I had like fans of the show actually. Like when I told them that I was watching for the first time, fans of the show said like, oh no, no way, Buffy and Angel, Buffy and Spike and i don't think that's as prevailing of an opinion now like i think that people are looking at this scene in particular but also just and we've discussed it at length throughout our discussions of season especially season six but um you know season five as well just how toxic and unhealthy this relationship is and this seems like I I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to say that this is like the culmination of everything Mm -hmm. because that makes it feel like that this was a good thing to do. It makes it feel like that this should have been done, but I don't think it should have been done. Mm -hmm. I
0: think that there is... Can I, can I try to maybe articulate yeah. what you're... Yeah. Because I, I feel like we maybe are on the, a similar wavelength, although I think I'm going to go in a slightly different way. But yeah, fair enough. I am not necessarily opposed to this scene on its own. Um, you know, I'm not... I don't believe that we should be... You know, I, I will... I, I know there are some people who think, like, no, this sexual assault, we shouldn't have it here at all. It shouldn't exist. We shouldn't be showing these things in media... At all. And I disagree with that. I think we have to be careful and responsible when we're when we're showing these things. Um I'm not opposed to this scene existing. I do think, unfortunately, this scene is a bit of a culmination of what their dynamic has been. It almost feels you know, a lot of their dynamic this season... And I am not... I want to be very clear that I am not saying that Buffy deserved this. Or that she asked for it. Or anything like that. But a lot of their dynamic has been around yeah, no, violence. No, yeah. And no meaning yes.
1: Right. And, yeah. And, like, that. it is a toxic... Mm-hmm. It is a toxic relationship. And, unfortunately, and it's very real that toxic relationships typically have an abusive
0: component. Yes. My problem with this. And I'm going to I'm going to get mildly spoiler, but we'll discuss it more as we get into future episodes is that this scene is used for Spike's arc. And very rarely does Buffy ever address it unless it's in relation to Spike's character development. And that I have a real problem with not that it sh- this shouldn't be part of spike's arc if it happens it's the
1: fact that it isn't a part of buffy's arc yes because you know quite frankly does she deal with the does she like is she traumatized in this episode yes but at the end of the episode she also has a bullet through her and that kind of becomes more important mm-hmm. Uh, more immediate yeah. for the rest of the season.
0: And we'll say... we'll, You know, the show will pay some lip service to how Buffy feels about around this incident in episodes, but... Nothing that's... And, you know, I don't need the show to become Buffy the rape survivor. That's also not what needs to happen. But there's a... Yeah. I just don't... I... Quite frankly especially knowing how season 7 goes the show was not prepared to handle the fallout for this yeah,
1: if you use if you use something as powerful and shocking as sexual assault in your storyline you have to be able to incorporate it like i guess it's like if you're going to go this direction it's got to be worth it mm-hmm. and it has to tell a good story and uh, it like that's not necessarily done with this it's literally just like oh Spike now needs to go do something yeah to change things and it doesn't go the way that well who's to say how it'll go since yeah. we're not gonna like get into any spoilers yeah. just yet
0: I will say Game of Thrones fucked up uh, in a very similar way with Sansa um, and her rape at the hands of Ramsey Bolton. I think they course corrected pretty quickly during season six. I think they fixed it, but they spend, um, that sexual assault scene is all about, um, how Theon feels about it. Um, and I do think part of that was a choice that was made in good faith to cut away so we don't have to see that happening to Sansa. But the fact that we're Sansa is the one being assaulted and we spend the scene watching Theon watch it makes it feel like it's about Theon. Um, it also helps that that, that storyline does not happen to Sansa in the books. It happens to a completely different character who is essentially an extra. Um, but um, I, yeah, it's just, you know... I do think sexual assault is can be a very powerful storytelling tool and you know there are stories that are you know um I I wish I could remember I listened to a great podcast that was um uh was a pair of women discussing the rape revenge subgenre of horror one of whom like really really hates the subgenre and one who finds it very empowering Um, And, you know, I could see the catharsis, Mm -hmm. um, like with it.
1: And yeah, and I think in the end, it does come down to personal preference because, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, like you don't, we don't need like not every story doesn't need sexual assault. um, But also at the same time to not have any stories with sexual assault to deny that this sort of thing happens, especially when you're trying to make something that's relatable or realistic mm-hmm. um i say that about buffy
0: uh but oh, um, but i yeah. think buffy is trying to do that yeah it's doing it um, on a fantastical level but right uh but yeah to ignore
1: its existence is i mean also a detriment i mean we talked about really started to go off here but uh we we talked about like censorship and uh how keeping like, you know, just keeping thing, keeping like people in the dark about things mm-hmm. is n- almost as bad as like, you know, letting them go into those things. And honestly, like a precursor to letting people encounter these things that do happen in the real world
0: without context. Yeah. So, and it, it's complicated. It's it messy and it's complicated. And, you know, and we're,
1: we really, we we're probably not the best people to talk <laughs> about this. Um,
0: but we're, you know, we're also discussing things that are happening in a fantasy world. And, and you know, I'm going to have some more to talk about that, actually, as we get into Spike's later arc. Because, because I do think the fact that this is a fantasy and there are supernatural elements to it does muddy the things. Um, so... I feel like that's a good place to leave it for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we're definitely going to be talking about it more. Um, so um, Xander comes into the house uh, without knocking. Um, I don't know why I'm fixating on that. These people never knock coming into this house. I, I think <laughs> at this point he probably has a spare key as well. Oh, yeah. But uh, he has come to tell Buffy about his fight with warren just ass kicking with warren a five across the face um but that's when he notices spike's uh, jacket he uh goes upstairs to confront buffy about this but finds her on the bathroom floor crying she's got a bruise on her leg um and he is pissed and he is ready
1: and he puts it together Ooh, yeah. um when Willow comes in, uh, like uh, Buffy does cover up her leg mm-hmm. um, and Xander kind of respects that uh, Finally. she doesn't want <laughs> Xander respects that she doesn't want to talk about it yeah and so uh, yeah Willow does say that and yeah, Buff at, at first Xander wants to go off and just kill Spike and uh, and Buffy's like just don't yeah and uh, but Willow comes in. With schematics.
0: Schematics! Um, and she... Buffy is grateful for a distraction. And... Especially when she finds
1: out that, you know, Warren is now, like... Empowered. Yeah. She's, She's like, just, I don't, don't have, have to hold back.
0: back. Um, which is... It's... It's... In any other episode, that'd be such a, like, a, yeah, girl boss, like, moment. But... Everything's just so subdued at this point. Like yeah. there's not much like even her one-liner when she smashes the orbs and she's like, Good night, bitch, is it's all weighed down by everything that just happened. Um I I'm not necessarily saying that as a criticism. Like um Uh, but we do get uh Spike at his crypt. He uh pours himself a drink, we get a bunch of flashes to the uh to the assault scene which i wish were not there yeah we already saw that seemed unnecessary and i just i generally hate flashbacks to things that have already happened unless we're learning something new in which case i'm like okay that's useful but it's like not in the same episode yeah If if this happened five episodes ago and we needed a refresher maybe but like no but uh Clem comes by. Uh, he's brought some wings. He wants to uh, watch the Knight Rider Marathon. Uh, Spike doesn't deserve Clem. Um, None of us deserve <laughs> Clem. But he... This is where he go We, we discussed it a bit earlier. So um, he goes on this kind of monologue where he's not sure what he feels or how he feels or why he feels. He doesn't know if it's the chip that's doing it to him or if he's a genuinely different person than before. Um, and, you know, hats off to Clem. He's trying to like stick
1: with him through it, even yeah. though he doesn't know the he doesn't know the uh, details. He does know that like you know Spike's been hung up on Buffy, so he's just like, "Oh, the Slayer again, man." He says like, "Love's complicated," and uh, he's trying to be a bro. Yeah, I- I'd like to think that uh, there have been a couple times that I've been Clem and not known what like <laughs> all the details, but I'm just trying to be supportive. I've never like you know
0: supported people with chicken wings. Maybe I should. Hey. I'd never say no to being supportive of chicken wings.
1: I mean, you know, maybe I should just bring chicken wings over whenever I come over here. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, no. don't.
0: But that, uh, Clem tells him that things can change. And that sparks an idea in old Spike. Um, Warren has uh, basically... Overturned a armored uh, an armored truck. Apparently, apparently,
1: um, Willow was able to narrow down the places that they were going to Mm -hmm. hit first, and uh, it ended up being an amusement park. uh, Which I guess, depending on the amusement park, could have like a lot of money that they would need to be taken to
0: an armored truck. Yeah, (laughs) well, and armored trucks usually are. It's not like one armor truck goes it's you know, they make stops, so presumably this amusement park is the last stop on the route or close to the last stop. Um but yeah, he's trying to he's robbing it and we get this fight scene when Buffy shows up. Um Buffy starts off the fight pretty well. I think it does a good job of showing the difference between um
1: She's got the Slayer training.
0: The training, the skill. It's not just about the brute strength. But unfortunately, she is injured. Um, and John, uh, Warren does begin to gain the upper hand. Uh, Jonathan, like, spider monkeys onto her. <laughs> and uh, tells her to smash the orbs, uh, which she does. Uh, he is zapped of his strength. Luckily for Warren, he thought ahead, and he takes off on his jetpack, <laughs> which Buffy is just so fucking done with this I shit. mean,
1: when you think about it, it really is fucking it's stupid. stupid. <laughs> but then we have arguably the greatest Andrew scene ever, when he's like, don't worry, Slayer, where things aren't done yet. All He takes off his jacket, reveals his jetpack. And then, when the jetpack lifts off, he goes right
0: into an overhang yep. that's right above him. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan did not get a jetpack. He didn't know that the others, other two, had them. They um, were setting him up to take the fall yep. for the armored truck robbery. And he's pissed. They get arrested. They're uh, Andrews taken to the jail, still in denial. Oh my um, gosh! Well, he's he's like waffling between it. He's. But we, I was supposed
1: to live happily ever after with Warren. Why, why would he leave
0: him? Yeah, he's like... He's feeling the betrayal of Warren leaving him, but then, yes, he immediately kind of goes back to it, and he's like, no, Warren will come and rescue me. Like, um, But Jonathan is... Jonathan's fully on the, the... The veil is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking had it with you two. <laughs> um, Spike, meanwhile... Rides out of Sunnydale on his motorcycle, promising that when he returns, things, things will, will be, be different. different. Um, Ominous. Yeah. <laughs> so, the next day, Willow and Tara, they're getting dressed. They're not happy about it. Uh, Tara is wearing lovely little light blue sweater. Willow's wearing white. Hmm.
1: After Labor Day, Willow. (laughs)
0: Um, But it's really funny. They kiss, they hug. And then uh, Tara goes... It was like, Xander. Which is only (laughs) funnier in the subtitles. Because before... She, th- there's a there's a pause between the mmm and the Xander that the subtitles do not have. It literally just, it just looks like mmm Xander. <laughs> we, we don't typically watch with the subtitles on but John was preparing stuff for dinner. It was a little loud in the kitchen so I turned them on because I can't hear. Um, and that to me was just like really funny. There's <laughs> Tara just kissing Willow and then going mmm Xander. <laughs> like mmm cookies. Mmm cookies. <laughs> Mm, You taste a bit like Xander. Have you all been wearing formal wear recently? (laughs) Uh, We have to laugh about it. Otherwise, he will get furious. Um, But no, Xander is in the backyard. Buffy is uh, poking the bushes, looking for more cameras. (laughs) Uh, Which, fair. (laughs) I would be, too. Yeah. Um, But they sit down. And they have an open and honest communication... About how they're feeling. And Xander expresses that he's upset that Buffy didn't trust him to tell her tell him about Spike. And she but apologizes. He does,
1: he does say that he gave her enough reasons that he was going to be an ass about it so he understands. Yeah.
0: And I, I it's a small moment, but it does It does a lot to make me less angry at Xander about his actions in this episode. Um, I'm not going to cancel him for being hurt um, if he can acknowledge his feelings and make the amends that he needs to do. Unfortunately, this lovely uh, reconciliation is interrupted by a piece of human excrement named Warren Mears, who shows up in Buffy's backyard... With a gun, which is very jarring, yeah' this because it's not
1: I mean you have to think that it feels like we haven't seen a gun since the initiative,
0: yeah, not in any significant capacity, yeah, I think there's that joke in earlier in the season where the she's at the bank and the security guard's gun. she's like, he's never useful mm. but uh Warren starts shooting indiscriminately. Uh, Buffy pushes Xander out of the way. At first, it looks like that Xander's the one who got shot. Yeah. Um,
1: but we... But, um, as he's shooting, he also, like... Because he's, like, just... Not just a piece of shit, but also a fuck-up, too. He, like, just starts randomly shooting up to the... Up to the, um, his upper right, which goes right through the window of um willow and tara's bedroom yeah
0: he's yeah he's not even aiming he's just flailing about and we get probably the most devastating two words i've ever heard on screen uh because tara's blood is spattered across willow's white shirt tara's final words are your shirt and she collapses she is pretty much a bullet right through the heart Mm Mm-hmm. We get a brief cut back outside. Buffy is lying on the ground. She has a bullet wound as well. She's bleeding. Um, inside, and Xander's trying to stop the blood. Inside, however, uh, Willow is holding Tara's body. She looks up, and her ties turn black and then red. And that's the end of the episode. Um, I actually... I'm going to propose... We're about an hour and a half into recording. Yeah. And it's late and it's been intense. And we're going to have to talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. That we hold off on our feelings about this other than just saying... This is very upsetting and we're sad. You know,
1: and I'm okay with that because I feel like, you know, obviously... I think the better time to talk about this would be during the fallout, I agree. which we get immediately yeah. in the next episode,
0: and maybe for a couple episodes after that. Yeah, yeah. It feels like because I have a lot of feelings, but I, like I am trying to parse them through, and very a lot of them are like, but I can't talk about we, that. We've already we dealt. We've this. already dealt with one huge trauma. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's 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 table this. So, um, you yeah, know, but this is a devastating. Devastating turn. Yeah. Um and that is seeing red. Um, you know, I made the reference when we talked about normal again, uh, that it was the second most controversial episode of the show, and this was what I was referring to when uh this is people have feelings. Yeah. This is I've heard people describe this as Buffy's jump the shark moment. Um I disagree with that, but but I understand the feeling, I understand the sentiment.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, to, to just have, like, the gun violence be mm-hmm. the most devastating part of a supernatural show
0: is, like, that's jarring. Yeah. And it's reminiscent of, you know, uh, Joyce's death mm-hmm. being natural causes. You know, I would, obviously, Tara's death isn't natural causes, but in the it is more grounded and realistic than, say, even Jenny Callender's death, which was, you know, she was also... She died a violent death at, you know, on its base level. She was murdered, but by a supernatural creature. Um, these are much more visceral. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. And I struggle, I really struggle with Tara's death uh, from a storytelling standpoint. I, I constantly go back and forth where I go, no, Tara like has to die for the story to go the way it goes, which I do believe is the way the story needs to go. And then I go, no, there's another way. No. Yeah, Tara's just such
1: a valuable character. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this episode.
0: It's a, tough.
1: I'm going to give it a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually think there are good strides made for characters In this episode, and um, it does the horrible things that happen in this episode, especially at the end, do set up the very dark things to come. Like, you guys thought that season six had been dark, right? (laughs) Um, Surprise! (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. Um, But yeah, like, the in a lot of this kind of like a lot of the negatives I have for this come out of the, uh, more of like how this, the episode makes these decisions, these two huge decisions and, uh, how it falls out afterwards. Yeah. So, and it does seem like these are for shock values and honestly, like, I'm not going to lie. It's what, it's hard to watch that assault scene Yeah. and I'd rather not. Mm -hmm. Um, and it honestly was, like, much worse than I remembered it when mm-hmm. we were watching it. I'm like, oh, oh. In the fact, there's no music during it either. No music. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's hard to watch. And I think it's, you know, there can be arguments made. They're like, oh, well, they're, like, it should be hard to watch. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: three out of five. I, you know, it's, you say that, was funny you say that about it being worse than you remembered, because I, when the scene started, I was going like, oh, this isn't as bad as I remembered. And then it kept going. Yeah. And I went, oh, oh no, it is as bad as I remembered. I just like, I forgot that it has a, an escalation to it. I, I don't even know if I can give this episode a score. It's so, it's, I struggle with it so much because it's. Just on its base level it's well structured it's you know it advances everything forward really nicely like on it's just bare level it's a good episode i think but i just don't know i have so many conflicting emotions about it i guess i'll give it a 3 as well but like i just i just don't know i, I don't yeah. i legitimately don't know how i feel about this episode and i feel like i have a different feeling about it Every time I watch it or like really seriously try to analyze it, yeah, it's complicated. These yeah, things are complicated. Like, yeah. Well, that's seeing red. Yeah. I'm so this is, I will say, I mentioned this earlier to for our listeners, but Jason's staying for dinner afterwards. And part of the reason I invited you was because we haven't gotten to hang out. And I didn't want the first time we hang out to just be a recording. I wanted to actually get to like spend some time to catch up, but I was also like, I feel like we'll also need some like breather time after this, where we yeah. can just talk pleasantly instead of being like, "All right, bye." We just had a really disturbing, upsetting conversation. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time, right? Um, luckily, it smells so good. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I,
1: I'm I'm through for now yeah. on talking about this. All right, we've got so much more to talk about take us out but uh thank you for joining us on booze and buffy uh I realize this is a tough one we thank you guys for sticking with us uh we'll be back next week with angel season three episode 21 benediction uh we might be uh i don't know like if we'll have an episode next week or not because we are getting into the thanksgiving holidays so um if not we'll have one a week after that yeah
0: um and i'm harrison you can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman. Uh you can find me on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman, but I, my days there are numbered. <laughs> um. Oh um,
1: by the way, uh I did recently like remake a profile on X, formerly known as Twitter. And uh I don't
0: believe in dead naming except for Twitter. <laughs> I've seen that meme. Uh, oh, but, I didn't even know that was a meme. It <laughs> is a meme. Uh but um Here's
1: the thing, my handle on Twitter is now YamiJ three five seven, same as the one as on my Instagram, because the handle YamiJ has been taken. By, by... whom? Let, let me let me pull up the profile because porn bot, porn bot, porn bot. Here's the thing, um, bu- uh, the Booze and Buffy page still references at YamiJ uh-huh. as. As like one of the hosts of the podcast. Yami J is um, now from somebody in Calabarzon named Jay Kush. Okay. I don't know who it is, but uh, because like their posts are protected. But yes, Yami J is no longer me. If you want to update that. I actually will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious though. Jay be- Kush. if you're out there yeah you just you have a huge responsibility I don't know where he got Yami Jay from but I guess he does go by Jay. so Fair enough. Um, maybe he's also a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm Jason you can find me on Instagram and yeah on X at Yami
0: J357 and uh, yes tell us about our other socials and you can find us collectively as a unit uh, as podcast husbands <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A and D in all of those instances. Don't forget to subscribe
1: rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And each week we, we like to just put some good out there in the world. Um, unfortunately, the crisis in uh, the Middle East just ha- continues. To get worse um the i saw something today that it was something like israel has now dropped essentially the equivalent of two nukes in the gaza strip um so please contact your senators um call for a ceasefire you know if you can give money to humanitarian aid you know i i I I don't know. I have felt very hopeless and helpless in this whole situation. Like, I do feel like it's like, well, what can I do? Um, But, you know, those are what we can do. There's, um, and hopefully if enough of us raise our voices, we can stop the senseless killing.
1: I also like to throw in, um, it is the the Thanksgiving holidays are coming up. And uh, obviously food banks are, uh, are like a big thing for people to donate canned goods to. I have heard that it's actually better to just donate money mm-hmm. because I've seen that as well. Yeah. Food banks will be able to get much better deals on food with the money that you give them than you ever would. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, just a direct, uh, direct deposit to the different food banks would definitely be great. Fuck yeah. All right. As
0: always go slay and be gay. Adios. Bye.